Welcome to the Faith at Work Sermon Podcast. I'm Pastor Jim Melvin, and this week I'm going to be talking about the well-known Bible story of Jesus walking on the water on the Sea of Galilee in the middle of a storm. This story occurs after Jesus had been healing people in a large gathering who had followed him up near the sea and then miraculously fed the 5,000 with five loaves and two fish. He had sent his close disciples off in a boat and told them that he would meet them later on the other side. Meanwhile, that night, he goes up the mountain to spend some time alone in prayer. This is not only an interesting story, but after we listen to it, there's some practical wisdom that we can draw from it. Matthew 14, 22-33 When Jesus had finished healing and feeding the people, he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But by this time, the boat, battered by the waves, was far off from the land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning, he came walking toward them on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, It's a ghost! And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me! Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, You have little faith. Why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Here ends the reading. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. This story brings up some special memories for me. I've led many groups of travelers on Holy Land pilgrimages. And one of the standard and most popular stops on the itinerary is a sailing trip on the Sea of Galilee, taking aboard an old-style wooden boat. After we've sailed out into the lake or sea, the captain kills the engine, and we read this story about Jesus and the disciples on the sea and hold a prayer session. On our last trip, we left the dock early in the afternoon under beautiful sunny skies. The unnaturally blue water stretched out ahead of us like a sheet of glass. When we reached our appointed spot, the captain killed the engine. The ship's crew, to the surprise of passengers who had not been on the trip before, gathered us on the bow and hoisted an American flag up the mast while we all joined in singing the national anthem. As we finished singing, 
Out of nowhere, an ominous black cloud blotted out the sun. The temperature dropped, and the wind came up to almost gale force. I pulled out my Bible and quickly uh, began to read the gospel as the ship started to pitch back and forth. And I could see the concern on the greening faces of our passengers as I read. And just as I dramatically repeated Jesus' line, You of little faith, why did you doubt? The wind dropped, the sea flattened, and the sun burst out above us. True story. Now in a moment of stunned silence, a look of amazement passed over all of our faces, including the crew. Then, almost as one, we all burst out laughing. Somebody suggested that I try walking on water, but to their credit, nobody in the group said to me, truly this is the Son of God. They knew me too well. I'm sure it didn't cross through anybody's mind that I had performed a real miracle. But the way we all reacted to that bizarre coincidence tells us something about how we understand the miraculous. Our response in such situations is to look for natural explanations. That was just a freak cold front that had moved through that caused the sudden rising and calming of the storm. But the people of Jesus' day thought differently. Their go-to response was to look for supernatural explanations or divine explanations. Who do you think has the more accurate response? them or us. Now keep this in mind as we try to draw some meaning out of this story. A number of years ago I was meeting with a couple to get to know them and to prepare for their upcoming wedding. The groom and his bride had met while whitewater rafting in Colorado. He was the rafting guide and she was a client. Romance ensued. Juan, the groom, told me that he always shared three sacred rules for rafting at the beginning of every trip. They were, stay in the boat, stay in the boat, stay in the doggone boat. I picked up that theme in their wedding sermon. I said that the three sacred rules for marriage are, stay in the marriage, stay in the marriage, stay in your blessed marriage. And I'm able to report that 10 years later, they're still happily following those three sacred rules. Today, I'm going to go back to Juan's original message to apply to Peter in our Bible story. If I could go back and give Peter a piece of advice on three things to do, should he encounter Jesus out for a stroll in the middle of a storm-tossed lake again, I would say, Peter, stay in the boat. Stay in the boat. Stay in the doggone boat. Now, why do I say that, you may ask? And what, if anything, can we learn from it? Let's go back and fill in a few more details in the story, which led Peter to jump out of the boat in the first place. Jesus had been pursued by large crowds wherever he went. He was a popular preacher, teacher, and healer. Remember, the Gospels clearly show that Jesus 
was fully human and shared some of our human frailties. And so he was getting burned out and sought to go off by himself to recharge some prayer time. But the crowds followed him. But his nature would not allow him to leave the people in their suffering. So he cured them of their diseases. Now this was miraculous in itself. Prior to where we enter the story, Jesus has been healing all day, and it's getting late. And the disciples tell Jesus to send the crowds back to town to fend for themselves and get something to eat. He'd done enough. Jesus won't have it. He instructs them to take the five loaves, bread, and two fish that they have with them, and feed the crowds, even though there clearly isn't enough to go around. After Jesus blesses the food, just like you or me saying a table blessing, the disciples then distribute the food to the crowd. And after they have fed 5,000 people, they gather up the scraps and find that 12 baskets are left over, a miracle as great as his healings. Only then does he send his disciples off in the boat by themselves and retreat up the mountain where he could finally be by himself to pray. But we're not done yet. The disciples get stranded in the middle of the sea. They've been fighting the winds all night but couldn't make any headway. In the morning, the storm still raging, they see Jesus nonchalantly strolling on the waves toward them. It's a ghost, they scream. Despite the miracles that they had just witnessed Jesus doing the previous day, they are very slow in understanding that he might have some special gifts, miraculous gifts. Take heart, it's I, do not be afraid, he says. Peter challenges him to prove who he is. If it's really you, invite me out on the water with you, which Jesus does. And Peter's all pumped up with courage and hops out of the boat and starts walking on the water toward Jesus. But when he stops to think about what he's doing, he starts sinking like a stone. Jesus grabs him and helps him into the boat. And you can almost hear the disappointment in his voice. You have little faith. Why did you doubt? Jesus' response to Peter shows us that he was concerned about matters of faith, of course. But he was also always concerned about the physical welfare of the people around him. His compassion for them led him to act. He was physically healing people of their diseases. He didn't say, just go pray about it and you'll feel better miraculously. He didn't let Peter drown. Apparently, he placed this healing ministry and his need to save people above even his need to go off and pray. Jesus said as much once when he was criticized for healing people on the Sabbath, when any type of work was forbidden. His response to his critics was, Who is there among you who has a sheep, and if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out? Sheep doesn't have to have faith. A second incident in the same story reinforces Jesus prioritizing helping others. When it's getting dark and the disciples want to send the people away to fend for themselves, 
Jesus will have none of that. He puts the people above his own needs. He insists that they share their food with the hungry. That story is traditionally referred to as the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. The miracle of the multiplication of the food can get in the way of the real point of the story, though. The real miracle is that someone, Jesus in this case, would so readily put the needs of other in front of their own needs. The miracle is the means to a compassionate end. After the people have been fed and Jesus decides his work for the day is finally done, he does something significant. He sends the disciples off on their own. Now this is unusual. When we read about Jesus and the disciples, we get the impression that they were permanently joined at the hip. Where he went, they followed. That's literally what a disciple is. A follower. But not tonight. Jesus sends them off in the boat by themselves. He was preparing them for the day that he knew was coming, that we he would be taken from them, and that they would be on their own. He must have felt like a parent teaching their child to ride a bike. And when they go off on that bike and they have to stand back and watch uh, when they let go of their child go down the street, they watch in terror as their child wobbles down the sidewalk on their own, relying on their own skill and balance. But they have to let them go. Well, how did that work out, letting the disciples strike out on their own? Well, not so well, it seems. When Jesus catches up with them out on the stormy lake, they were terrified. They feel abandoned. They may have been so paralyzed with fear that they would have drowned. Jesus spent the previous day helping other people, and it seems like he has left them to drown. That must have been how they felt. And they don't even recognize him when he shows up. They think he's a ghost. And when they make out who he is, once again, they want him to save them. The story now switches its emphasis to Peter, who shows his true colors. He's caught up in the glamour of miracle. He wants to be able to walk on water like Jesus and convinces himself that he can do it. He fails miserably embarrassingly. And after taking a few steps on the water, he realizes what he's doing and he sinks. Jesus reaches out, lifts him into the boat, and he earned that scolding, ye of little faith, why did you doubt? I think I've misinterpreted what Jesus' scolding meant, and maybe you have too. I always assume that Jesus was getting on Peter for his lack of self-confidence. If he had believed in himself, he too could have walked on water. If he just believed in himself. Just the opposite. Jesus knew that Peter would not be able to walk on water. He was a human being without supernatural powers, and walking on water is a physical impossibility. Peter needed to stay in the boat, stay in the boat, 
stay in the doggone boat so that he and his group, several of whom were fishermen, could courageously and skillfully work together to bring that boat safely to shore. The events of the previous day should have shown them that if they worked together and did their part, God would do his part. The message of the feeding of 5,000 is that gifts are multiplied in a loving and caring community. As a Christian pastor, thousands of times I've stood in front of a congregation, blessed a loaf of bread and a goblet of wine, and with it fed hundreds of people. Maybe not 5,000, but hundreds. In those communion meals, each person received only a pinch of bread and a sip of wine. But all miraculously were fed. Their hearts were filled. Now then sometimes we'd go downstairs for a congregational meal where their stomachs would be filled too. For that miracle to take place, we relied on a dedicated kitchen crew to prepare and serve the meals. And both were miracles in the truest sense of the word. In both places, people were fed. Without God's providence, neither could have occurred. We all stayed in the boat together, relied on, upon our community to access the power of God and strengthen one another's faith. Had I or anyone else tried to step out of the boat and play Jesus, the results would have been disastrous. It would have been demonstrated our lack of faith and understanding about how God works through us and among us. There is no lack of people who want to try to jump over the rail and walk on water to demonstrate their power to perform miracles. There is no shortage of people who are willing to peddle miracle cures for COVID or a host of other diseases. When they inevitably fail, they will be quick to blame those who aren't healed for a lack of faith. In reality, they are the ones who have lacked the faith to stay in the boat and let God be God and let Jesus walk on water. Like the disciples would have had Jesus do, they would send the crowds home empty. Dear friends, stay in the boat. Stay in the boat. Stay in the blessed boat. Put faith and compassion in your own communities to heal and to feed. Those communities can be churches, families, the people we work with, our community, state, and local governance. Have faith that God will give us the power to heal and to feed through the means he has provided us. Bound together by God's love and compassion, there is little that we cannot do. And what we can't do, we turn over into God's hands. We have just come through a difficult and dangerous year. We have often felt like we are in a boat on a storm-tossed sea. 
the waters of COVID still haven't calmed completely. When we have been at our best, we have put our faith in God and stayed the course. So the next time you see Jesus walking on the storm-tossed waters, don't jump out and try to walk with him. Invite him into the boat. He will gladly join us. And that, my friends, will make for a smooth sail. Amen. Thank you for joining me today. May God bless you and keep you. May God's face shine upon you and provide you with smooth sailing.